to our audience. Welcome to TNT ESQ. I'm Teresa Quinlan. I'm here with my co-host, Reese Thomas. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently so we can do differently. So really, we're trying to explode the status quo. Our guest today is Mike Vacanti. He's an author of a book called Believership, The Superpower Beyond Leadership. And Mike has this belief that it's more than what we accomplish. It's who we become along the journey. His mission is really about helping people discover their potential, embracing a growth mindset, and achieving at inspired levels. Mike is also the founder of the Humans First Club, and this passion project has potentially exploded beyond even expectations. But it speaks to Mike's belief that the heart of every organization are its people. So we are really excited to have you today, Mike. Thank you for being here with us to explode the status quo. It's exciting to get into a conversation with both of you. And I want to return. It's been so much fun engaging in the great stuff that you're sharing out to the world and bringing your gifts and your journeys and experiences and sharing that with all of us. Thank you for that, for being so giving and so open. It, it really touches my heart. There's going to be so much heart on this conversation right now. Oh, yes, I mean, yes. we can pretty much talk about anything, I think, especially in the world of leadership, in the world of people, in the world of heart. But here, you have a slight obsession with solving problems. And we <laughs> talked about the concept of looking forward because helping people move forward from a place of feeling stuck or captured is necessary for growth. And you've lovingly referred to this as emancipation from the current situation. So I wonder if we can kick off our discussion with your tipping point, where you noticed that you yourself were breaking forward. The, the structures that we have to operate in, in business, we look at there are objectives and, and having structure and organizing together is extremely important. Getting everybody focused on you know, the, the outcome or the finish line is really important. I think we've become so focused on how we do that. And because we're brilliant human beings and over time, we create new solutions and ways to, to accomplish that and to move others along that path and to drive behaviors and performance from people. I think we've become so good at it that we've just kind of squished the human spirit in all of that. And we've become so dependent on the process and the methods that we forgot about engaging and empowering people along that journey to do greater things. The recent history, just a few decades ago, all of that hundred years of the industrial eras, that was necessary. We were manufacturing, we needed to pump out product, there was a system and control and you know, it was a punch clock mentality. You punch in, you punch out, go get satisfaction in your life somewhere else, you're ours while you're here. And that drove ingenuity and it seemed to work. I think we're entering a different time right now. And all of the research says that it's not working. The mental and physical health of people are being greatly affected. Engagement is very low, which is harming companies and their achievement goals. 
the the cost of that is also starting to compile. So in my mind, it's very clear with all the research that the current path is not sustainable. To get to the next place, to go to where we need to go, I believe we need to emancipate ourselves and people from those processes and systems that we've become so reliant on because they're no longer serving us. For me, that's been easy because I've never really been compliant and <laughs> I, I am not naturally a capitulator. I don't, I don't follow the norm very often. I don't really even understand what normal means. While it's been, you know, kind of my pattern, I guess, to always seek if something, if you're saying something can be done one way, I want to see the next three ways. And I've always been able to help other people envision that. And so together we've been able to cross that finish line, not with our last breath, but like in full stride with our head up and eyes forward. It's like, well, where do we, why would we stop? Let's just keep going. When I say emancipation, I really believe that we can emancipate people from the restraints and the constraints that we put on them. So emancipation is to open up possibilities. Long answer. <laughs> I love the idea of um, emancipation because for me, I think it needs to come from the top down, but it also needs to come from the bottom up. So you talk about the industrial age and I think there was maybe a sort of an idea of an isolation theory from, from the leaders, they were uh, out of reach, they made the decisions, everyone else just followed in line. Whereas now, let's say the disruption that's going on, the rise of the social media, leadership is ever more visible and has to be ever more transparent and has to in be inclusive with everyone's idea. And it's no longer about their answer, it's about our answer. And it's about getting to the finish line together, like you said. Yeah, Reese, I think that's really, um, well put and much more succinct than I was able to capture it. But Teresa has talked about, you know, the barriers and the walls that we build around ourselves, right? And so emancipation is let's understand those so we can step forward. But but yes, it it, it is all of those constraints that we've just, I think, unconsciously adopted. We have tried to figure out how business works and we still there's so much information about how business works. We know how business works. Like, there's no mystery around that. And we have more data than we've ever had before. And we can get answers and information that, as you say, compiles at, at levels. It used to take 10 decades, right? It would take 100 years or it would take a full decade to get the information together for us even to start analysis on. Mm -hmm that now we can get at our fingertips in a day. So I always think of that as like, you know, think of a young person sitting in a meeting on their first job and the, and the CEO is up there talking in front of the group and they're listening and it's not really resonating with them. And we would shake our heads just saying, gosh, I don't understand. I have to learn all that. Mm -hmm. And now there's enough information and enough, as you say, with social media and the, and the information at our fingertips when we shake our head, we can actually just pull up our phone and just go, you know, I've, I've got five podcasts and, and eight Ted talks here that these guys are way smarter than you. Like they've got the answer and, and I don't believe in, in what you're saying. So we used to shake our heads saying, I really don't understand. I better learn. And now we're saying, I already know better. And here's a bunch of examples. 
that yeah. blows things wide open. Yeah. Now you talk about this trailblazing, rule breaking, taking the path less traveled sort of natural rhythm that you've always had. I can resonate with that. My sister will tell you all of the stories. <laughs> but not everyone is comfortable in that space of dropping process. Process procedures can be very safe for people because then they know the rules that they must follow. And, and that creates a certain amount of safety as well. Your experiences when you're you know, talking with these individuals who have potentially been set in their ways for so long and have been doing something a particular way that has been working for them, even though we have numbers that are demonstrating it's not really working for you or it's not working for the whole. What levers have you found have been most important to pull to get them on board? I've tried to find simple switches to just get people to explore, is there a new thought that we can have a discussion around or think together? And, and in that particular one, it's are we proving or are we improving? And what does that look like? You know, having rules and having process is a good thing because we can orchestrate along a path. But to not do what is possible because it doesn't fit within the current restraint doesn't make a lot of sense. Instead of rule breaking, I, I like to say boundary stretching. I think it's good to have boundaries. Let's have curbs on the highway, but you know, there's four lanes we can move within. It doesn't have to be, you know, 55 miles an hour in the right two lanes. It, we can go 58. We can move over one, what does that look like? Is that an improvement? Or are we just gonna prove that 55 in the right lane is absolutely the way it's always been done and the way we're gonna do it? And if you go 56, I'm telling. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the rigid patterns we get into is you can't change any of those parameters because this is how it's done. And I wanna punch out at five and I don't want anybody to bother me between now and then. I think those have changed. I don't think we operate in a punch clock world anymore. No. And I think that without the ability to stretch those boundaries, we're always going to be proving what we already have rather than looking at how can we improve to be better. You know, I think a lot of people are picking their career path or the job that they want based on really what they want, an internal drive to do that kind of work. I truly believe that most people pick that. And then they get into the workplace and things fall apart because relationships and connections aren't really strong, but the work they want is the work that they want to do. And so to your point, I agree that people don't just work nine to five because they're passionate about their work. It's something that they think about constantly and carries with them throughout the day, whether they're at work or not at work. But this sort of dismantling of what's happening within the workplace as far as freeing people from shackles of suppression within the workplace, like, no, don't, don't try something new. Don't step outside the box. Don't, this is the process and procedure is, is what becomes most damaging, right? So breaking the rules, it becomes so critical for businesses to be able to, to hold people. Like keep them. Yeah. And I, you know, Reese, you, you talk so much about, you know, that, that journey and the discovery. 
and kind of allowing yourself to grow into that. And, you know, you, you think of how beautiful that journey is. And I asked the question, why wouldn't we want everybody to feel empowered to explore that journey? Then we have employees who are attaching themselves with commitment because they believe their time and effort that they're going to spend with that company doing that job. They're going to grow personally and they're going to be able to contribute well. You know, everybody gets to explore their degree. Having people attach with free will is a really good thing. When we prescribe these are the patterns you must adopt and you must become more like us. Everybody is the same. And when we get to that point of sameness, we work better. I disregard that. I do not believe that at all. I think that everybody unique is a better outcome than everybody the same. And again, those are some of the concepts or structures I hope we can emancipate ourselves from is that belief in sameness that is destructive. And I think it also is very limiting when we look at diversity and inclusion and all of that. It, mm -hmm. It's where, you know, we're, we're trying to get down to a control point and the assumption is that everybody is the same. We need ingenuity and creativity and, and some of those things that are innate within people how can we bring that out so we truly are solving problems? We're engaging in relationships, so we're doing it together instead of isolated. You know, those are the core elements of, of my belief. And instead of pontificating on that, I just like bringing those concepts to people and exploring. I'm much more interested in becoming better than being right. I have very little interest in being right but I do believe we can all be better. I agree, I totally. I mean, we were talking about culture, I think on a previous interview, Teresa, and we're talking about behaviors and we're talking about the hiring process. And we were postulating that people are hiring people for specific behaviors to fit a specific mold, to fit in, literally. And I was saying that I would much rather have people who are completely different, who are more idea-driven, who are kind of bringing something completely different to the melting pot to create, to innovate, to change, not radically, we don't need to break all those rules, we don't need to change all those processes. I think those processes that, you know, maybe they were once like a ceiling, they, they stopped us or they were a box that confined us, is now more like a platform to stand on, to reach higher. And it, as long as we have that foundation, we can keep going higher. So what do you think about that? I think that's a great statement. And, and I, I do believe it is, you know, building on where we are, I reject words like hack. Like, I don't think we need shortcuts and cheating. <laughs> I, I think hacking is not the great word. I, Wait a minute. I, I've posted emotional intelligence hacks multiple times over, Mike. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we do because, I mean, it's, it's become common, you know, nomenclature. Yeah. And I, I, I want to put that word in context of the other words. So, disrupt is big right it's like oh yeah let's disrupt it's a it's a friendly thing and you know we we use all of those words and i think that when we take small incremental steps forward and we build on the platform that exists mm -hmm. but it is with the idea that 
it is in motion. We're not holding things still in a solid state. They are growing and they are, there is organic growth available. Each person gets to learn and grow. And what I love about that, Reese, is that when we focus on growth, change becomes necessary for growth. If growth is a positive thing, change can then become positive because it's part of the motion of growth. Where change now feels like a hack or it feels like disrupting. It feels like one of those more violent, negative things. And sometimes it's just changing our mindsets around what are we trying to accomplish. And if we're facilitating and promoting personal growth, organizational growth, then change is a necessary thing. And it can come comfortably and incrementally and within the boundaries. We may stretch the boundaries, but we don't have to bust through things. <laughs> and that might be part of the, the trepidation or fear that's associated with physical or personal emancipation or an organization's emancipation or a leader's emancipation is this fear that it has to be a left turn uphill and you got to get there in the next 30 seconds. And that isn't reality or potentially it is a reality of some organizations are, we still have to be able to measure the bottom line and we have to get a return on investment for this investment of what we're going to do, whether we're changing or we're developing people or we're allowing them to grow. We have to be able to say, look at the change we've made. And we wanna be able to say we've made that in three months. And so all of these people are going, whoa, I can't change my emotions, my feelings, my thoughts, my beliefs in three months time. I need something, I like the word organic because it means naturally big. I need time to be able to shift my thoughts, my feelings, my beliefs, to adopt new behaviors, to adopt new daily practices or new rituals and let me grow at that pace. And that might be the conundrum that we run into is that organizations need that bottom line fast and people need time. Yeah, and, and I think of that in the context of your teachings, Teresa, because mm -hmm. think of if we have the emotional intelligence to care about the people that we're experiencing that journey with. Mm -hmm. So I may be a fast adopter, right? It's like change. Yes, I'm in, right? It's like, hang on, Mike, not both feet. We're, we're taking steps and I'm like leaping and, you know, we're dipping our toe in the water and I'm jumping in waist high, just going, it's fine. It's fine. And, you know, so I have that personality, but I can't assume everybody has that personality. And I can't also believe that it would be good if everybody had that personality. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I need to honor the toe dipper. And as we wade out through that river and, and get to the other side, it's important for me to look back and offer a hand. And how is that feeling? What's that experience like for you? Are you still on board? Do you feel safe? Are we going in the right direction? And we start caring for each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's missing, right? Because the structures business-wise that we're trying to emancipate ourselves from is, ha ha, I'm halfway across the river and you're still dipping your toe, right? You're going to be in the 10% that gets washed out and I'm going to get promoted, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, 
we climb over each other for success. And, and man, that's just not going to get us where we need to go. We need to be able to bring others along with us with care and concern and thoughtfulness. Use our strengths for others' benefits, but also appreciate their strengths. In my mind, that is a team. It's not a collaboration process. We love collaboration. So when I got into the business and they started teaching me about teams, it was like, well, you know, yeah, we have a big collaboration process. It's like, yeah, that's software. That's a process. How about like us hanging together and caring about each other and helping each other through and forward, like true teaming. And I know each of you get that and you teach that. And I'm, you know, that's why I love learning from you because I, I'm embracing the challenge of continually being thoughtful and, and looking at things through those lenses instead of the one that's just most natural to me. That would hold me being the same and I don't want to, I want to grow, mm. which creates positive change. I love that analogy about you being the first one to jump in waist deep and, and, and keep going. I mean, I'm picturing like a, a human rope, rope bridge sort of thing, a chain where you, you got somewhere to cross and Mike will jump in first and someone else will come in behind and you'll all hold on to each other and you'll all support each other. Maybe the ones that are a bit more cautious will walk on, walk on your shoulders literally to, to get to the other side. But if you do it together, you will all get there together and then you can work on the next phase. Yeah, it's well, one, one person is encouraging, like, it's going to be okay. We need that unbridled optimism. And the other person, this is like emotional intelligence in a team, leveraging the unbridled optimism of one person. It's going to be okay. We can do it. Where you've got your toe dipper is more the reality testers, like objectively looking at every single step and going, just hang on a second. We really haven't thought this through yet. <laughs> and and they, they temper your pace just a little bit. And everyone's job, in this team is to navigate through in the most successful way for the whole the social responsibility of every individual is to be able to have their head on that swivel and go over in right ear mike is saying it's going to be okay in left ear reese is saying but we also need to think about that so i get to live in the center of two different people and go well what's my thought and my idea and how am i going to contribute now Maybe my thought is just to be able to say, yeah, team, we're, we're doing a good job. Let's keep, and all I'm going to do is stay in the center of this group. Yeah. Yes. yes. The cheerleader. Mm. And our roles, right? And they become natural mm. and we can depend on the different strengths. Somebody may have to swim or take a big leap knowing that they're supported, knowing the objective is to get everybody across the river. It's that intent that really drives behavior. And honoring, again, the reluctance of others and not shaming them mm. and not saying they don't fit because we need their strengths too and we need that temperance in, in many situations. I think that the emancipation, again, getting back to that word and holding that, allowing everybody to understand and move forward with their strengths, with their beliefs, and holding each other whole. It's not emancipation to this one thing we've already described, everybody, you know, go stand on that dot. Right. It really is let everybody get to the finish line the way that they best know how. I'm gonna take the bridge, I'm gonna swim, I'm gonna take the boat, and the leader is like, I know you're going to be in the boat, I know you need to swim, I know you need to, anybody need a life jacket? 
the leader's job in that group is to know their team members so solidly that they understand the path of best choice for each member of their team. They know how to partner individuals together. When you have more senior and more junior, you'll be able to say, you guys work really well together. So both of you get an oar and you're in the boat. Nobody needs a life jacket here because you've got someone strong with you. But that leader, I think sometimes needs to be free from process. They need to be that innovative leader who understands how to take risks and challenges when it's necessary, when to play it safe. They need to know when they're the servant to provide and they need to know when they're the leader to step first. This whole idea of a leader is like a coach leader is best, a servant leader is best, a transformative leader is best. It's just bullshit because I just think you're a leader. You're going to have so many different people on your team. You're going to need to have that deep toolkit of every single one of those styles of leadership to pull out for the individual when the individual needs it and when the collective needs it. You cannot sit back on, look, I'm a servant leader, so someone else has to go first. <laughs> you can't do that. Exactly, yeah. I think someone today on the post, uh, maybe even Chris Jackson himself, was, would use the phrase, I don't know if it's new, it was new to me, but he said, holistic leader, not with an H, but with a WH. So literally you have to, exactly what you just uh, described there, you need to be able to pull all the different tools from your belt, as you mentioned before, know what, when is right, when it's appropriate, and who is appropriate to help take that next step. You know, I, 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 I love that. And also, with that definition, with the holistic leader, then there's room for the leader to grow also, right? Because mm -hmm. there, there's going to be natural strengths with them. And Teresa, why I really like that is if we choose, you're going to be this type of leader or that type of leader. Again, it's saying, here's the prototypical profile and the container of things that go around that. Right. And those are the people we're going to select and promote. And, and now we don't have diversity and we don't have inclusive leadership because we're going to pick those most like us or the one container mm -hmm. that we believe in. You know, I think the greatest leadership is the type that best fits you. So if, if you are our most natural leader amongst our group of people, what is most natural to you? Why do people believe in you and will follow rather than, you know, the prescriptive authority of this is the command that we're giving you. And so I, I love that identifying the different types of leadership mm -hmm. and then Reese as you said you know the holistic being able to develop all of those different tools in leadership because we're leading different people this seems like a good time to talk about believership as the superpower beyond leadership I would like to know a little bit more about, yes, there it is. There's the book, November 1st, launching for everybody. I would really love to learn a little bit more about this believership aspect as a superpower. The core to this is that there's, there's a lot written and said about this is what leadership looks like. This is how we identify them. And this is the, the path to leadership. And again, it's a great segue from, from what we were just talking about is there's not one type of leader. 
although we like to frame that in in that manner and and a lot of it you know goes back centuries to the you know following the great man theory right so men that took their countries to war and conquered other nations and you know you look through the fortune 500 and and how much diversity is there it's there isn't and the traits and characteristics that we like to say Steve Jobs and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and you know whoever we like we we say these are my five leaders I like and what I'm going to do is I'm going to find the five things that make them the same and then I'm going to say those are that's our container of leadership and I'm going to watch for those behaviors and those traits and that's who we're going to promote and and that's what we're going to teach and I'm saying I don't think it is a container of traits and characteristics. I think our leadership model is broken. And if we truly want to find the best leaders, find the people that others believe in. Leadership as we define it now, being, again, prescriptive authority in, in many different ways, mm-hmm. is not real. It Matter of fact, I don't think it's, how the great leaders of the past actually accomplished it either. It wasn't that they all had the same characteristics, the same traits and the, and the same behaviors. Other people believed either in the vision, the mission or the person. And they were willing to attach themselves to that and commit to that. So believership says you're not leading unless you have the commitment willful commitment of others to follow right and we've missed that because we say the person of highest rank the person of authority the person that was elected whether we believe in them or not we call them a leader and it's like well no that's not a leader it's the person in that position Mm -hmm. if i'm not following them they're not my leader Mm -hmm. they are the person in that position and we have to change our thinking to really understand what will we follow? What will I attach myself to? How can I commit? Then how can I grow and develop into that? And what I believe is that really opens up the possibilities for true diversity and inclusion in leadership. Now the best people rise rather than those that are most like the one above them. Mm-hmm. It hopefully not only expands those boundaries, stretches those boundaries, but in this case, I I would like to think it breaks some of those untruths or rules that we have in place and expands the possibilities for the creativity and, and, and ingenuity and all the things that the research are clearly saying is needed for us to move forward in this new non-industrial era. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we will really call it, what we'll settle on, but I do know this. It's not the fourth industrial era. This is the non-industrial era. There's nothing industrial about the future. <laughs> so if I, was, uh, if I was in an organization, I'd set my sights on becoming a future CEO. If I wanted to bring these people with the, I wanted to engender that idea of believership in them, what are the things that you believe I should be doing to start building that support, that following, that influence? Understanding others, I think, is first. To pull people together 
in that belief, we have to understand where they are today. You know, where are you now? Because that's where I have to go meet you mm-hmm. to help you develop your belief. It's not only belief in the leader, but it's, it's building that self-belief. And I, Reese, I think that's really where it starts is, is, and we can start that on our teams. We can start that in small groups. We can start that with the three of us in friendship saying, how can I help you find that belief in what you're doing so you feel comfortable and empowered to commit and you feel supported? Because now we're moving everybody in the same direction. Again, self-selecting. They're doing it willfully because there's a level of understanding and we're asking them what they need. We're allowing them to discover and attach their beliefs. We're not following who we're told to follow. We're actually honoring who they're already following. And that person exists in every group. So I always say, if you want to find the leader in, you know, if you want great leadership, promote the one that people are following. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, go get the financial genius and attach them to the team and, and go get the, you know, the, the, um, OD people that can put the structure and processes in place because it is, you know, orchestrating business is necessary, but don't say, Hey, this person, you know, has the financial genius. And so they're going to set the direction and we have to follow them because we're putting them in the authoritative chair. It's like, Oh, that person might not have any clue how people feel or what they think or, or what they're, what they're doing. It starts at the individual level. It grows out to the groups. And, and I think it's not up or down. It's not from top or the bottom. Believership starts from within. From within each person, from within each team, from within each organization. I believe it is the energy that flows throughout. Rather than top down, bottom up, you know, we look at things in a very finite manner, And I think things flow more than we, than we sometimes recognize. Marcus Buckingham uh, and Ashley Goodall wrote this book called Nine Lies at Work. And one of the chapters is about the fallacy of leadership and that it is difficult to define what makes a great leader and have this sort of checklist that we would go through and say, okay, our next leader is, and then we have all of these items we need to check off this list. They have a good IQ. They're good with people. They can be a strategic thinker. And we just kind of make sure they have all of these things. And they disputed this idea because the only criteria, because you can't have a list that every leader fits, right? (laughs) The only criteria they whittled it down to was the fact that they had a follower. And so it led in curiosity to a discussion with a group of people around, well, how do you define followers then? What's the criteria of a good follower? Or who are people who are inclined to follow? Must they be inspired? Must they be motivated? Must they be? And that was a challenge in and of itself because this list gets long really fast. What does it take for someone to want to follow another individual? I've had individuals who've chosen to follow me, asked me to be their mentor, asked to be on my team, which was a huge honor. And then when they came in, I'm like, why do you want to be here? (laughs) What is it that I'm supposed to be doing for you? 
oh, well, I want to learn everything that you know. Okay. And once that was accomplished, they left. So that leadership role is here's the ladder. What is it that you want? Here's the ladder. First step, second step, third step. I am your ladder. As soon as you get where you need to be and get what you need from me, soar. Go wherever you need to go from there. We have a lot of leaders who are going to be like that. However, there are so many that are not, that take this prescriptive authority very seriously. So how does an organization go about resolving that? I love that. And first of all, thank you for sharing the story of how you lead and the example of how somebody was um, had the desire to willfully attach to you and your team and commit. Mm -hmm. And then your ability to not root them in that and hold them hostage. But, you know, if, hey, if you grow enough and you sprout wings, you know, this is this is your Get the hell out of here. That's you're jumping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you have somebody in your alumni group that is going to be an advocate forever. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's going to be the return on that will be three new people coming in and say, get on Teresa's team. It's like amazing. They are following with willful attachment and commitment because they believe in the person, the mission and the outcomes. And I, I really believe we can dial it into, I shouldn't say those things because it's actually, we can dial it into that direction. Mm. I don't believe there's one path, there's one way. And I think you'll hear me say that about many things. There's many ways and there's many paths, but I think we can agree on the direction. And it's that compass that becomes the, the driver because everybody can then, on their own, willfully attach themselves and follow because they believe in the direction, where it's going, what the outcome is. I don't think, you know, as a, from things I've read and when you listen to, you know, Nilifer Merchant talk about Steve Jobs and you hear all the other stories, I don't think people were following him because he was just, you know, great, wonderful person that, you know, this nurturing soul. Matter of fact, quite the contrary. I think they endured him because they knew his brilliance and they believed in the mission and the vision of the company and the products. And that's what a follower, follower will do, right? When they are committed and latched to you, like you're speaking about, they will do so despite sometimes your character flaws. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a brilliant yeah. thing to understand because we're not going to have that perfect leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until we, you know, have cyborgs in there, because <laughs> I think everybody's much like me, and that's you know brilliantly flawed. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, so we like to finish with one last question. Um, we call it not uh, hashtag not anymore. We can't not pay attention to the human element within the workplace. We can't not pay attention to the need to help people get unstuck as leaders especially, and have the skills to coach people to their greatest potential. So uh, if there's one gem that you would want people to walk away with today that, that they can start taking action on, what would that be? The one thing would be give yourself permission to change your mind. Yourself We're coming into a time where we have to become great navigators 
because change from the outside is accelerating and it's more significant. And so we can't navigate from a standing still point. We have to learn to navigate in motion. And I think we, like for me, I, that's what I have to change my mind about. How can we get that agility and navigate that accelerating significant change and bring everybody along with us? Mm. And I think about that a lot. I take that as a personal challenge. How can I help those ideas at least get out where people are contemplating them in hopes that we'll together become better, not with any interest in being right in any way. I just <laughs> want to explore and discover. I love that. That's perfect. Perfect end. So look, we've learned a lot today. Um, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your vision and your book. We, we have things to get doing so that we can all start being better. So people listening, if you, want to, if you want more, and you know, why wouldn't you? Uh, you can connect with Mike uh, at LinkedIn, uh, or you can visit his website, www.mjvacanti.com. Be sure to check out Mike's new book on Believership, The Superpower Beyond Leadership, available November 1st. Pre-order your copy now. We like to finish, Mike, with a, with a bit of fun. It's a rapid-fire Q&A. <clears throat> we will be compiling all of these to use at some point uh, at our own discretion for whatever purpose. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so, okay. So, you're ready? Yes. Good. Right. Number one, manager or leader? Leader. Number two, active or reactive? Active. Number three, black and white or gray? Gray. Number four, optimist or realist? Optimist. And number five, Canada or England? That's a pause, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I love Canadians. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> number six, empathy or assertiveness? Empathy. Number seven, introvert or extrovert? I love both. I am an extrovert. Number eight, logical or emotional? <laughs> Heart knowledge. <laughs> That's not a yes or no answer, is it? <laughs> That's a great third response, though. We'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> emotional. It's always our first response. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And number nine, innovation or process? Innovation. And number 10, heart or head? You can feel and hear my heartbeat. You cannot feel the wheels turning inside my head. I'm going to go with the heartbeat. Thank goodness. Maybe we can't yeah. <laughs> feel the wheels inside It's really head. noisy. It's really, <laughs> you have a right lot tail. of thoughts. It's like, woo, it's a mess up there. <laughs> sure but when not. they come out, they're brilliant. Yeah, it's a lot better than the wind coming through with a nice whistle, though. <laughs> perfect. Well, a great way to end. You know, we said at the start there was going to be a lot of heart in this episode, and you know, a perfect way to to finish uh, with you choosing heart. So, thank you again. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, it's been another fabulous uh, episode, and stay tuned for what's coming next week.
Hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of TNT ESQ with myself, Teresa Quinlan, and my co-host, Reese Thomas. It was a pleasure having you stop in and listen. Until next time, keep challenging the status quo.